I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Just go to the Empire Media YouTube channel, A-M-P-I-R-E, and hit like, subscribe, and even leave a comment. Today, I'm joined by former NFL scout and current Senior Bowl director, Jim Nagy, as we run down a number of draft prospects with the scouting combine coming next week and the draft two months away. We discuss the quarterbacks, of course, and Jim provides some terrific behind-the-scenes insight he learned from their times at the Senior Bowl. He was able to go places that nobody else could. I also I also ask about some interior O-line players, middle linebacker possibilities, receivers, and even some interior D-line. I'll explain in a second. You can follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Nagy, N-A-G-Y underscore S-B. You can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com. And I brought, up, I brought up the interior D-line with Jim because with some uncertainty in Washington about the D-line moving forward because of contract situations, whether now or down the road, if I'm Washington, I'm looking to pick up a guy at some point after day two, if possible, just to get another big body in the group. I'd look at edge rusher, too, because you can always add depth there. And I don't think they feel like they have that young depth behind I mean, they're, Most of those guys are young, but I think they, some of the guys from the draft, I think they would like to have seen more production from them. I didn't ask about running backs, but I think they'll look in that direction as well. Not as a starter, but some, obviously some more depth there with Antonio, you know, to add behind Antonio Gibson. It'll be interesting to see what starts to happen next week when teams convene at the combine. That's where deals start to get done or discussed in more earnest. It's where teams will meet with agents, whether to discuss their own players or possibly inform them of interest in clients with another team. So that's where you can start to see players re-sign with their teams. And I know Washington will have some discussion with agents um, about a number of guys, but certainly some guys on their own roster that they want to re-sign. I know there's been talks already, but that's a lot of times where stuff gets done. With the quarterback market, it's hard to imagine anything happening until the Aaron Rodgers situation is resolved in Green Bay. I don't know if Washington is one of the teams that put in put in an offer on Rodgers, but yes, there is interest on their end. Of course there is. And Russell Wilson will remain a target. Listen, until Seattle slams shut any discussion about a trade for him, and until they team, tell teams to get lost, Washington and others will pursue him. Even if there's only a 10 to 20% chance of it happening, that's more than what Jim Carrey was told in Dumb and Dumber. This is more than a one in a million shot. And that's why Washington's going to stick there until they're told to get away. After those are settled, then we get down to the Jimmy G's of the world. And when you get to that point, you have to ask yourself, as we've done before, is it worth it to get him or to sign a free agent and pair that player with a rookie? And I'm not convinced that Jimmy G will be the primary target for them for Washington at that point. 
Interest, yes, but I don't think there's a lot of interest in a really big deal for him because of that injury history. That is a definite um, cause for pause, I would say, here. Doesn't mean they'll walk away. Doesn't mean they're going to get him. It's something that's definitely on their minds. And again, what the definition of big is, I'm not quite sure. But yes, so I, I think there's I think there's some pause there. Doesn't mean again. Doesn't mean they wouldn't have go after him if that if they could get him at the right price. But I don't think you go and break the bank for him. I think they break the bank for guys like Russell Wilson. But you don't do that for Jimmy G. Guys like Carson Wentz, Mitch Trubisky, they're going to be in play too. In those cases, I strongly believe Washington would pair them with a rookie. But depending on who that rookie is, both the guys might just be short-term solutions. Jameis Winston is out there too, but Washington didn't really show much interest in him last year when he was when he wasn't coming off an ACL tear. But I do know that Winston has told people that he felt he learned a ton playing for Sean Payton and that and that it made him better. You saw it in the interceptions. He only threw three last year. That is was a dramatic reduction for him from the past. Has holes in the game, but there was a he felt like there was an improvement because of that. And it kind of reminded me of when when Ryan Fitzpatrick talked about how much he learned playing for certain coaches um, at various points in his career. So there you go. Heck, there's a lot of possibilities for Washington. I think you have to have a number of scenarios because who knows what will happen. Ron Rivera has been quite clear about the need for a quarterback and very public about their desires. Is that the best strategy? I don't know. We'll find out. Will it lead to them having to overpay? We'll find out there too. Those are legit, legit questions. It also lets other teams know to at least give them a call if you're thinking about a deal. So maybe it smokes a deal out. And, the, and what the goal here is, is to find a quarterback. Anyway, that's it from without get the right guy. Don't break the bank for guys who you think might just be here a couple of years as a solution. That's not that's not going to get you where you need to go. So you can't break the bank. And that's where Jimmy, that's the Jimmy G thing. You can't break the bank for him, you know, and in terms of draft picks and salary cap space um, because if you're looking at him as a guy that you'd have to reevaluate every couple of years to see where he's at with his injuries, then it makes it tough. And I will say, I think you structure, if you, if you did a deal for someone like that, you've got to structure the deal in a way that reflects the injuries. And um, you know, there you go. Anyway, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Senior Bowl Director and former NFL scout Jim Nagy as we dive more into possible draft picks. Beyond, just, we talk a lot about quarterbacks, but we definitely go beyond the quarterbacks as well. What he saw behind the scenes from players such as Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. Which quarterbacks did he say other players were drawn to? And which middle linebackers stood out to him? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. 
Blue Chew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of our show. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Jim Nagy. Well, Jim, I always appreciate you coming on because the insight, not just from being the senior board director, but being involved in the league and all that for as long as you have been is terrific. But I want to start with, and people can't see this when you're listening to me, but in the backdrop, you have pictures of Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. Now, we know they just won the Super Bowl, but why did you want those two up there? I guess it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. They're two of our best, two of our best guys, yeah. man. Um, no, Cooper's one of those cool small school stories out of Eastern Washington that came down here and kind of proved himself against the best of the best. And then, you know, Aaron Donald was the guy that came to the Senior Bowl with, uh, you know, he had some doubters in terms of his body type, you know, and being, you know, not being prototype height or arm length or any of that. Uh, so he came down here and went against Zach Martin uh, from the Cowboys. It's kind of a Hall of Fame on Hall of Fame battle there in yeah. Mobile. And they they took about every rep against each other. That's when I was still scouting in the league. And I, I remember that week vividly. Um, so yeah, just kind of cool coming off the senior bowl through those two guys up now. So when you're involved with this year and you can compare guys to guys in the past, are there some guys that you, when you walk away from a game, you know, the game was a few weeks ago and the whole week was a few weeks ago, but that, are there some guys that you walked away from thinking like, Oh, this is a guy who could surprise, not that they're going to be a Cooper cup or be as great as Aaron has been but that they could surprise in, in, in a, in a big way. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always those guys. I mean, I think the vast majority of these guys help themselves by coming down here, but, but some guys help themselves more than others. I would say uh, kind of like Terry McLaurin did, you know, a few years mm -hmm. ago down here and kind of, kind of made a name for himself in the process. I think Cole strange from Tennessee Chattanooga uh, who played mostly guard at Tennessee chat uh, and played mostly center here during senior bowl week really had a nice week. Um, there are some, some other centers in this year's draft. It's not a real deep class. There's a couple right. guys being talked about maybe above Cole. Um, then I think when it's all said and done, Cole will end up having a better pro career. He's got a big frame. He's a big, lean-looking guy. He's got no bad weight on him. Uh, he's smart. He's aggressive. And he took to center this week you know, really well. I think he's going to start next year for whoever drafts him at center um, and be there for 10 years. So um, like he would be one and we, we could kind of probably go position group across the board right, right. now, but, uh, but Cole strange sticks out. He had a phenomenal week. I also want to ask too, for you, cause again, you were a scout, so you've been involved in this. Have you learned anything different being on this end of it that has deepened your knowledge and how you even evaluate guys or, or based on what you hear from others coming to you and talking about them? Yeah, I think uh, what you see on this side of things is the process leading up to the game and kind of the onboarding process. Like 
we know which guys, you know, jump on their invites right away as soon as we send them. Um, we know guys that, you know, who's responsive through the process and who's not. I mean, usually the guys that are on top of their stuff and we don't have to constant follow-ups and reminders, um, you know, to do certain, you know, paperwork or whatever we might have them do. Uh, some of the guys that are a little more high maintenance, you think, okay, that guy's going to get fined a lot next year. Um, he's going to he's, he's gonna have to learn his lesson at the next level a little bit. But, you know, more than anything, you know, from behind the scenes, just seeing how the guys interact with teammates is a scout. You don't see that quite as much. You see it on the practice field a little bit, um, you know, but, in, you know, at breakfast and lunch every day, you know, eating three meals with these guys, you see kind of some of the bonds and, um, you know, some of the leadership stuff. And, and also like kind of, you see it getting off the bus. Um, you see, you see which guys are a little wide eyed by being here and being on a big stage. You see which guys are really focused and, and business-like and are ready to attack the week. I think Debo Samuel comes to mind in that, that frame, like Debo got off the bus day one and he was so locked in. You almost had that look in his eye mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, this guy's ready to have a good week. Um, so yeah, there, there's some of that stuff that when you're a scout, I came down here for 18 years, 19 years as a scout. Um, and I just wasn't, you know, you're not, you're not privy to some of all the behind the scenes stuff. So who were some guys that stood out in that regard for you this, um, this year? I'd say Jermaine Johnson, um, you know, from Florida State, the right. ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he just had a, you know, he's taken, taken advantage of every opportunity, right? So he was at Georgia last year. He transfers because of lack of playing time and no fault of the Georgia staff. They're just loaded, right? Um, so he goes to Florida State. He get, he, his reps went from like 200 reps as a junior to 800 reps this year. Right. Took full advantage of that. Comes down here. He's just a really combative football player. He knows how to play. He's physical at the point of attack. He knows how to rush the quarterback. You know, he's got he's got a plan. He's got an arsenal. He's a high motor guy. Like, there's just a lot of positives. He showed that in practice all week. I think coming into the week, you know, Jermaine was probably a fringe first rounder. You know, depending on what team you talk to, either some some teams had him late one or you know early to mid two. You know, I think he, I think he probably you know entrenched himself probably in that that late first, maybe mid first area. You know, he was a guy, I think Zion Johnson from Boston College, yep. keeping it kind of in the same position group with, with, with Cole Strange, another guy that really embraced playing center down here. Um, reminds me a little bit of Terry McLaurin as a person, um, maturity, intelligence. Um, he was staying late after practice, coming out early for practice, staying late after practice, working on his snapping. Um, just a high, high character guy and a really talented guy. So to me, Zion's a, Zion Johnson's a guy you can't miss on. Um, he, right. he reminds me a little bit talent wise of Rodney Hudson, who wow. I was, uh, I was, I was lucky to be a part of Rodney being drafted in Kansas city. Um, was on that staff in KC when we took Rodney out of Florida state Zion reminds me a lot of him as a player. Um, so yeah, I mean, we really could. I mean, I, I hate to hate to frame it that way. I'm kind of staring at the board behind the camera here behind where you're at. I'm, I'm peeking at some names up here, um, but there was a lot of guys that really stood out. How about let's go to the quarterback position because that's what a lot of Washington fans are going to be. I'm going to get. I want to also get to inside linebacker because I think that's another pivotal spot for this team. But at quarterback, obviously we know the names down there, um, and just some things that stand out from each of these guys. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. So Kenny, um, leadership man, like just being around this guy for the past I think three years at the Manning camp and having some background with Kenny and. You know, we invited him to the game a year ago and uh, he decided to go back to school. So, you know, and I talked with Kenny through that process. So I felt like I knew Kenny when he got here. He was one of the guys I really felt like I, I, I knew him. 
but just to see him around with the guys and the ease in which he, you know, communicates and, and people are kind of drawn to Kenny. It's really natural to him. You know, I made a comment during the senior bowl week at a press conference, uh, making the Joe Burrow comparison there as a guy. Right. Like, right. I, I, and there are similarities as a player too, but I'm not pinning that on Kenny Pickett at right. all. I mean, Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow right now. So, um, but just to, just kind of, he's got a cool factor to him and, he, and it's not forced. He doesn't try. Um, and then in the game, you know, Kenny's a, you know, some of the stuff like for me, evaluating the quarterbacks. Yeah. You can look at the physical tools during practice, but I, I like it when there's, you know, 21 other guys on the field and we're really playing football and, and Kenny got out there in, in his one quarter of play and he was perfect. There was no, you know, the ball never hit the ground. He threw a touchdown, um, had a really nice game. So, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a ton to like about Kenny to me, he's going to help himself throughout the process. The more he's around teams, the better off he'll be just because the more you're around and the more you like him. Just because you mean to, because the personality and just and all that. Yeah, absolutely. The hand size, how much did you hear? And that's a big thing with him, but how much did you hear about that from teams? And is that a legit concern? Is it a legit concern for some or what, what do you think that's at? The only thing I really heard from teams was, uh, you know, why did he do Why did he choose not to measure his hands? You know, like you're almost making a bigger issue of it than it really is. I don't feel it's an issue for the teams. I really don't. Um, you know, that was kind of surfacing during game week when it got out that he didn't measure his hands. And uh, I saw someone retweeted a post from Joe Burrow two years before that. And, I, you know, Joe's hands measured, you know, historically, like not at the threshold. I think everyone wants nine and right. a quarter. I think Joe's right. might have been nine and an eighth or whatever that was. Um, but it was a tweet that Joe put. He's like, well, geez, I don't, this was in the, during his pre-draft process. I, I don't know how I'm going to throw any touchdowns at the NFL level with my baby hands or whatever, he said, whatever Joe said. And it's just kind of funny. I mean, I, I made the point that, that it's not like Joe played, or it's not like Kenny played Boca Raton his entire college career. The kid played at Pitt for God's sakes. Like he's played in inclement weather. He's played in cold weather. He's played in wet weather. Um, and it hasn't been an issue. I know teams are going to go back and look at those games. I mean, they have to do their due diligence and do that homework. But, you know, we did that ourselves. I went back, you know, out of curiosity, just looking at some some uh, rough weather games from his past and uh, didn't seem to be an issue. He, he had no problem gripping it down here. We actually had a wet weather day on Wednesday um, and practiced in the rain. It was kind of a, a, you know, a light, steady rain all day. It wasn't pouring by any means. But um, and, and that stuff would have came out in that practice. And, and I didn't see it. So. Last thing on him, you, so if you watched him and you were inviting him last year, you would have seen the progression in his game too. So I can look at the stats and see it, but what did you see in his progression from, you know, from 2020 to 2021 that put him in this spot to be a first-round pick? Sure, and, and I was really honest with Kenny a year ago. I told him we had him in the fourth round. Um, you know, I thought he'd be an early day three guy, and some of the feedback I was getting from teams was fifth and sixth. Mm. Um, you know, like I don't, I don't know if any team in the league got a day two grade on Kenny. So for him to now get up and vault up into that first round mix, which I think he'll go in the first round, he should go in the first round. Uh, was a pretty phenomenal jump. And yeah, you could look at the numbers, but I think a couple of things, Kenny wasn't playing fully healthy as a junior, um, or that 2020 season, he was, he was pretty banged up now, you know, even talking to him now in hindsight, um, mobility was much better this year on tape because of the, because he was, he was, he was cleaner. Uh, health wise, he was just getting, he was getting out of trouble more. He's making more plays outside the pocket. Um, I actually thought he looked like he had a little more zip on his ball this year, you know, just fit more tight windows, like throws that a year ago, I didn't think would get, get in and we're getting in this year, you know, and he, he wasn't forcing the issue as much. I think his supporting cast was better. He had more people to take shots to, 
but I think he was making better decisions and not really, you know, just letting the game kind of come to him. So that's where you saw the huge discrepancy in touchdown interceptions this year, make a big jump. You just didn't see him put the ball in harm's way as much. So um, there were a lot of reasons, but, and there has to be, if you're going to jump from day three right. to, to the first day, I mean, the tape should look considerably different. And I felt like it did. Um, Malik Willis, what were your impressions um, going in and then from the week? Yeah, so I got to see Malik play in the fall up at UAB, and, and my main takeaway from that game, um, and, it, and I haven't had this takeaway for any quarterback I've done since Ben Roethlisberger was just how strong this kid is. Mm, like, yeah, he's not he's not six six two forty like Big Ben was coming out of Miami, Ohio, but he's still really hard to get on the ground. Like guys fall off him. He makes throws with guys draped all over him. Um, you know, and the tools are the tools. I think it was pretty unanimous. Anyone that watches this class, like in terms of high-end tools, Malik's probably that guy, right? Um, and then you just look at all our metrics that we get, we get from Zebra Technologies. We, you know, we chip all the balls during the week. So, you know, ball speed, spin rate, like all that stuff. Um, Malik was the tops really across the board in every one of those ball metrics that we do. Um, so you, obviously the arm strength is there. Right. Um, you know, and he's, and he's a, he's a high-end athlete. You saw it in the game. He ran around and, yep. and uh, made some plays with his legs in the game. He's going to be a true dual threat. I think that's going to help him at the next level when, you know, before the game really starts to slow down you got to, you got to have some things that, that bail you out. You got to be able to move around and make plays off script. And he obviously showed that at Liberty, he showed it here in our game. Um, so for the same reasons that, that San Francisco went up high and took Trey Lance, um, I think is the same reason why some team in the top 10 is probably going to go up and get Malik because, you know, you put, you put the tools together, you give them a couple of years in a system, and then you get really excited about what, what you're going to have. And when people talk about him being raw, is it just because he played at a smaller school or with what other parts of his game are, and I know there's a lot of things that, you know, calling plays in the huddle, they're, you know, just different level, et cetera. And yeah, that's, but what, yeah. what is it when people talk about the rawness of his game, what do you see in that that still says, okay, a year or two, this is, if he works on this, you know, that's what he'll have to work on to get to the next level? Right. No, good question. I think a lot of these guys, it's apples to oranges when you're doing the right. comparison. They're, they're down here for the first time. They were in the, they were in the hotel Sunday night taking, uh, you know, under center snaps from their centers because right. they've never even done that before. You know, they've never huddled up. They've never had to spit out verbiage. Um, that's some of the fun stuff behind the scenes, getting in the huddle with them out on the field, you know, hearing the play call from the coach um, and they're, you know, they got the, they, they got the headsets in their, in their helmet. And then to hear them try to spit that back out, <laughs> especially yeah. the first couple of days is, is interesting, but uh, you know, I think the rawness comes to me again. I can't speak for anyone else. I just feel like it at Liberty um, in the schedule, they played a lot of times they were outmanned and that's no knock, please. I, I right, hate saying right. anything disparaging about a college football player. Like that's, uh, that's just not what I like to do. Right. You know, I like to frame things in the positive and those kids were all out there giving it their best. But, you know, in reality was Malik playing with a bunch of NFL people. No, he right. probably wasn't. So right. he was, for, he was forced to play a different game than, than NFL teams are probably going to want to see him play. Right. Right. They're going to, they're going to want to see him play more from the pocket, which he, a lot of times he wasn't able to do. You um, just bottom line, he had to do a lot on his own. Um, and, that yes, can be a good, and, and that can be a good thing. He's shown he can do that. Um, he's used to that, but it also can create some bad habits. You know, you can, you can feel pressure a little early. You know, you're, you maybe you can be too quick to get out of the pocket. Maybe you can be too quick to abandon your reads. Um, 
you know, so, so those are things that when you talk about a developmental curve, gotcha. he just needs to retrain himself a little bit in those areas. And when you've got hopefully good protection and, and playmakers around you where you can, you know, put it up to, you know, to someone on the perimeter or, or, or dump it off to a back that can go make a play for you. He just needs to get in that groove and really kind of retrain himself. And that, to me, that's where, you know, the discrepancy between college and pro will be from league. And last thing on him, the personality, I've heard he's got a pretty good personality, it sounds like. He does, but he's a quieter guy, um, which is interesting in the sense that he did something over the course of the week where the guys gravitated to him. Um, it was after one of the days of practice, uh, the Lions team, they pulled the three quarterbacks and put them all, stood them all on the field, and then they told the rest of the team, now go stand behind the guy you want to be your quarterback. Wow. Um, and it was a really telling exercise, you know, and, and it was pretty split evenly. No, it wasn't resounding, but um, a lot of guys running behind Malik Willis now. So um, he does something. Everyone leads in a different way, right? Yes. I think Malik, I think the most effective leaders are true to who they are. Right. Um, they're not phony. They're genuine. And we all do it differently. Um, so I think there is something to Malik that, that teammates see in him. Um, but to me, he was a quieter guy. Um, he will engage for sure. I'm not saying he, he was closed off by any means, um, but he's just kind of a, he's kind of a, he's kind of a quieter kid, but he had an effect on his teammates and that's the bottom line. Uh, Sam Howell. Uh, yeah, Sam, you know, from a leadership standpoint, a little like Malik, you know, a little more, a little quieter um, kind of leads with his actions. Um, I think he leads through like just watching UNC tape. He leads through his toughness. Yeah. He leads through his competitiveness. I think uh, a lot of the same conversation we just had on Malik about trying to do it on your own. Sam had to do that this year. You know, he, he loses Javante Williams. He loses Michael Carter. Those guys were starting running backs as rookies this year. He loses Daz Newsome. He, he loses Dimey Brown. I mean, that's four NFL skill guys. So he, you know, to me, Sam was interesting. You really had to go back to, to 2020 tape and see what he looked like then. And okay, now now what does he look like this year when when those guys are gone? So, um, you know, good arm talent. I think it helped him this year. You got to see the athlete a little more in Sam. He did mm -hmm. uh, you know you saw his, you saw his speed even like some of the GPS tracking data of Sam getting outside the pocket and running. I think he's going to run well at the combine. This guy can can take off a little bit now, and and uh, and the arm talent's all there. He can he can really throw it. So. Um, you know, he got in the game. He was under duress in the game, kind of like he was in college this year. And uh, that North, that, that uh, national team defensive line got after him. And there were some really good pass rushers on that other other team. Uh, I mean, he got outside, made plays and ran in a touchdown. So, you know, physically, there's a lot, a lot to like with Sam. You know, there's just the jump on tape probably wasn't the same that maybe you expected. But, you know, if you didn't factor in all the loss of talent around him, you probably weren't uh, given enough thought. So. Um, another talented guy that's going to be in that first round mix with the two other guys we talked about. Desmond Ritter. And he's a guy that I thought, and I know there was questions about his consistency during the season, definitely. And we all saw that during the game in the senior bowl, I thought he had a pretty good game. And I think you even tweeted out something the other day, one of the clips from one of his throws and some of them were spectacular throws. They were just good on target throws that allowed guys to run. But what did you think of, what do you, what, what do you think of him? Yeah, I think there's a lot to like um, with Desmond. I'm, I'm kind of old school in the sense you don't hear a lot of evaluators, um, at least in the media, talk a lot about guys that raise a program. And like to me, that's really when you can do that, when 
and I'll go all the way back to like a Brett Favre when he's coming out of Southern Miss. Like they went in and beat Bobby Bowden's Florida State team when he was at Southern Miss. They beat Alabama. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty big. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. for Desmond to do what he did, taking a, a group of five team and be the first team in the college football playoff and win 50 some games or whatever Des won over his career. Um, and when you talk to the staff up there, Coach Fick and all those guys, like, he was the he was the he was the catalyst for it, you know, and they, they give Kobe Bryant on the defensive side of the corner, a lot of credit as well. Um, but Desmond's just got to get, he's got a way to connect with people. He really does. And, you know, he credits, he's, you know, he, he, he's a, a biracial kid raised by a single mom, had to grow up fast. Um, so he's just, he's one of those guys that can, he, he's got a way to connect. Um, he is outgoing. Um, you know, he's won a ton of games. He's been a leader. His tape's gotten better. Like you brought up some inconsistency. Um, it was better this year than it's ever been. You know, he, he really evened himself out. Um, he made strides in some areas like talking to him at the Manning camp over the summer. His big thing was, was down the field accuracy. He knew he needed to tighten up in that area. He did a much better job this year. Um, so he's one of those guys, like he knows his weaknesses. He makes goals. Um, he's a worker. So there is a there again, and then just the athlete. I think this guy's going to blow the combine away. Um, his agents are saying he could run four fours. I've been saying all fall. I think he'd run four fives. And even at four fives, you are rolling as a quarterback. That's pretty good as a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, not many quarterbacks have a 96-yard touchdown run on their resume, and he did that <laughs> as a junior against SMU. So this guy, this kid, can get out and really run. So um, and again, he's just an easy thrower. That what that one clip that I posted on on the on my Twitter. Um, I just like, he's, he really throws it easy. Um, so I think there's a lot to like, I love winners. I love guys that can elevate a program and, and Desmond's done that. You know, last thing with him, when the guys played that much and that when there is, you know, again, we, I, I know you say about his season, but there was all, that was always the thing you hear as a consistency, the guys played that much. What things do you look at to say a team can curb some of that or improve some of that, you know, despite him having that kind of experience, like if a guy's only played 20 games, they may say, well, we can coach him out of that. If he's played as much as Desmond has, what can they do to help improve that area? Well, it, it, you know, that's a good question. If you would have got to his senior year and he just plateaued, well, then you wouldn't feel really good about it, right? Okay. Like he's played, all the, he's played all this football and we're, we're kind of, if 2021 tape was the same as 2020, you know, I think teams would have an issue with it, but it wasn't, you know, it, to me, it was, it was markedly better in some areas. Um, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just Des in terms of the consistency. I think that team um, was, you know, played to their level of competition a little bit. They did. And that's tough. That's tough to do, man. When you're, when you got that pinned on you, that you could be the first, you're kind of carrying the mantle for every group of five school in the country. There's, there's pressure around that, you know? And when you're, when you're going week to week undefeated, like there's a heavy burden. And for, you know, a bunch of 18, 19 year old, 20 year old guys. I mean, that's, that's a lot. So for me, for, for them to get through the season unscathed like that, that I don't care that they played to their level of comp and they had to squeak out some tight wins. They won the games. Right. Right. Um, so, and I did, I thought, I thought Desmond was better. So to, to get back to your question, answer your question. Um, I think if there was a leveling off, you'd be concerned, but okay. I didn't see it that way. I, I think Desmond still got good football out in front of him. Last quarterback. I want to get to some other positions. Carson strong, just general impressions of him. Uh, yeah, the biggest takeaway from senior bowl week was, uh, Carson looked healthy. Um, you know, even going through the fall. So he had a knee surgery last February. Yeah. He, it was a 10 month timetable. He came back in six cause he wanted to play with his teammates. 
I think that's going to earn him some, some, uh, you know, some points with the NFL that the fact that he had a receiver and a tight end that came down here in the senior bowl. Those guys were roommates. He wanted to play with him his last year. He didn't want to sit out this year. Um, so he forced himself out there. You know, he, he probably put himself in a position where he can be more scrutinized. You know, he was, he'll, he'll be the first one to admit Carson's been open with me about this. He's like, yeah, there's some games you put on our Nevada tape this year. I look like a statue. And, and I, I readily, I see it too, you know, like he owned it. You know, I can see where teams might be knocking me because of mobility, but my knee just wasn't right. I didn't have the time to get it right. I didn't have the rest and recovery. So he got to a place after the season where he could do that. Um, so just to see him down here, having the bounce in his feet again, the ability to get outside and escape a little bit um, was, was, a, was a big bonus for him. He's got a live arm. He, I think he's the best deep ball thrower in, the, in this year's class. And I, I think Sam Howell's excellent in that area as yeah, well. Um, but but Carson Strong can really get it down the field. I've kind of jokingly said if uh, you know if Mr. Davis were uh, Al Davis were still the <laughs> owner of the Raiders, he'd be their first round pick. Like this is an Al Davis quarterback. If you want to just you know run verticals and, yeah. and stretch people, um, Carson's the guy to do it. So I think Carson got better over the course of the week. I think he was frustrated on a little early on. Um, and then he worked through it and I thought he played well in the game. I thought he, you know, he did. He, like they, we, we struggled to protect this team struggled to protect he and Sam, um, that, that, that opposing team, the national pass rush group is great. Um, but he made some, you know, dirty pocket throws, some contested throws where he had to fit tight windows, like real NFL stuff. We're, 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 we're what NFL want to, you know, that's what they want to yeah. see. So, uh, yeah, I really thought he had a nice job finishing out the week strong in the game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside middle linebacker, Washington needs a middle linebacker. There are a few guys down there who seem to have had pretty good weeks. What was your impression of that group? Who stood out in that area? Yeah, there was there were some safeties that were playing linebacker because that's what they're going to be at the next level. So some guys, you know, kind of showed up that way. Um, I'll say this: I think Brian Asamoah from from Oklahoma had a really nice week. He was a junior in our game. Um, really good space linebacker, kind of what the league's looking for right now, guys that can cover and stay on the field all three downs. Brian's a really good athlete. That's apparent from the minute you put on the tape. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought he covered well all week. He plays hard. He runs to the football. I think Chad Muma from Wyoming is going to be that guy. I think he's going to be squarely in that early day too, somewhere in the second round. I don't see Chad getting out of the second round. I think I actually think uh, Logan Wilson's success this year for the Bengals. Okay. You know, Logan, Logan was an early third round pick out of the senior bowl a couple of years ago. Um, had five picks this year for the Bengals. If 
had they had managed to win the Super Bowl, I think Logan would have had a lot of votes for player of the game. I mean, yep. He was all Great. over the field in the Super Bowl. So uh, get, yeah, getting back to Chad, I think Logan's success kind of helps him. But again, three down player, um, you know, really has a nose for the football, plays hard. Um, just a good football player. Just sees it, reacts. I uh, thought he had a nice week. Uh, Demone Clark from LSU got voted player of the week by his teammates for one of the teams. I think Demone's best football he played by far his best football this year. Um, he played his way into the senior bowl in this year, this year, you know, he, he really made a nice climb on the board. And then the last guy I, I, I have to mention is Troy Anderson from Montana state mm. um, coming into the week. Troy was a guy that he's played quarterback. He's played running back. He's, he was big sky player of the year at quarterback. I mean, this guy was, has maybe the coolest resume in this year's draft. And so coming down here, there were still some teams that thought, okay, maybe Troy's an offensive gadget guy. Maybe he's Taysom Hill, um, you know, because he is such a good athlete. He's got instincts on that side of the football. Maybe he's a core special teams player in a, in a gadget guy. And then what he did at linebacker during the week, he, he surpassed my expectations. Seeing him play live, he's a better change of direction athlete than I gave him credit for. He can really, really run. You see that on tape, but what I didn't really see was the closing acceleration. Like when this guy puts his foot in the ground, he can really go and cover ground. He was more physical than I thought he looked like on Montana State tape. He was more reactive. I thought he was seeing things quicker. So, man, I thought Troy was probably a fringe top 100 guy, but probably probably an early day three guy coming into the week. And just all the zebra technology, the, the speed data that, that this guy's he's going to run fast in the combine now. I mean, so he's another guy as an off-the-ball linebacker that that truly, truly helped himself. How about like – because one of the things they had here, they tried to make Jamin Davis middle linebacker last year, and I think they like his instincts more outside. After they got into the season, they realized that's where he was at. So who has some of those the, – the better instincts for that spot, um, you know, that that you saw? Yeah, I, th I think Muma comes to mind. I think uh, another guy's DeMarco Jackson from App State is another, another guy. I like him, yeah. He's one, of, he's one of my favorite guys in the draft. Um, he's just a rugged linebacker, and he can run. Um, you know, you kind of say, guy's rugged. You think he's a two-down Mike linebacker, and that's not what he is. Um, again, another guy with the GPS stuff. He's going to run fast. Um, he closes on tape. He's, he's always around the football on App State tape. What you don't get to see sometimes during the, our practice week is – you know, we don't tackle to the ground, right? So, right. I mean, I think, I think running back and linebacker are two positions that can really help themselves on game day. And, you know, DeMarco was all over the place on game day. I think he finished with like seven tackles, but that's in about half of a game. You know, you play all four quarters, he would have had 14, 15 tackles. So um, high-end instincts, um, just a live wire energy-wise. He wears 52 um, you know, I'm not saying he's Ray Lewis by any stretch, but <laughs> just with like watching the 52 and the, how physical he is downhill and instinctive and just the energy and the vibe and guys feeding off him. Like he's got a little bit of that to him. You know, again, you throw that name out, people are going to say that I'm saying he's Ray Lewis. I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm just saying like, you just watch him. He brings some really cool stuff to the table as an inside middle linebacker, you know, the leadership, the intensity, um, yeah, just a really cool player. I think in terms of off-the-ball linebackers and, like you said, seeing it, fitting it, um, he's really, really good. Um, just a couple more, and I appreciate your time, as always. Inside Interior defensive linemen. Now, Washington doesn't need – you know, they have a bunch of guys there. But we don't <laughs> yes, know. Yes, they like, do. You know, if Durant – if they somehow decide to 
make some big trade and they include a, a Deron Payne, whatever, who knows what they're going to do with that. So let maybe you take a guy in those middle rounds because you may lose a guy either this year or next year and you want to have that because they're going to lose Tim Settle. So were there any some of the, their, who were some of their, was there a one or two intriguing interior defensive linemen or even like, even I would say an edge rusher because they're going to want another guy as a backup there. So it's maybe some down the line defensive linemen, whether interior or edge that kind of jumped out, you know, just one or two, if there's any. Yeah. I mean, and there were, there were a bunch of guys that if you're talking like day three, I don't think a lot yeah. of guys are getting there. Um, you know, the Perion Winfrey's, the Travis Jones from UConn, Devonte Wyatt, Georgia. I mean, that Federian Mathis, Alabama, I think those guys are going to be long gone. I think a guy that really helped himself and might be a day two guy now as well. And we didn't have him there going into the week, but he might be that guy's Neil Farrell from LSU. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. 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 He had a good you know, week. He was voted, he was voted uh, practice player of the week by his team's offensive line. The guy that's trying to move him out all week. Um, so, you know, I think where Neil was at, he played by far his best football this year. He almost sat out 2020 because of COVID. He kind of at the last minute said, okay, I'm going to play and wasn't in great shape. I think he'll be the first one to tell you stamina was an issue last year. He comes back this year, and he's just, I mean, bottom line, those guys got to hunker down and, and eat up blocks and, and, you know, clog things up. Neil's the guy who can do that. Everyone down here had a hard time moving him. He did a great job against double teams. Um, you know, he can take up face-up doubles. He can take up side pressure. Um, he locks guys out. He gets rid of people. He can play square. Uh, just had a really nice week and did it again in the game. So he wins practice player of the week in the game, um, just throwing guys and making some plays against inside run. Um, I thought, I thought he had a really good week. Yeah. I mean, that, that group really stood out. John Ridgeway from Arkansas, I think is a guy that might get to the, to day three, um, big body. Now John's a mountain of a man, six, five, 320, 330 pounds. Um, really cool story. It was an FCS transfer from Illinois state. I love the fact like a lot of these smaller school guys transfer up maybe to like a group of five. John Ridgway went straight to the SEC and said, bring it on. Um, and goes to Arkansas and, and plays big boy football all year. And, uh, you know, for a big guy inside, another another guy that's really hard to move. Um, so if you're looking to replace like a Tim Settle, yeah. um, I think I think Farrell and, and Ridgway are going to be two guys that uh, can come in and play a role next year for somebody. Last one, receiver, because Christian Watson was the guy that a lot of people talked about. He's got the size, you know, coming from North Dakota State, got some speed. What what were your impressions of that group and somebody maybe to watch after after the first round? Yeah, you know, that's been a really good position group over the last three or four years when you talk about the Cooper Cups and Debo Samuels and Terry McLaurin's and Michael Pittman Jr.'s. We've had a bunch of good ones. Um you know, Christian Watson, you, you bring up his name. Yeah, 6'4", 210 pounds, going to roll. He's going to run. Wouldn't shock me if he's a high 4'3 guy. I mean, just based off the way he plays on tape. He played at a different speed at North Dakota State, you know, in the Missouri Valley. Like, it just looked different. He was at a totally different gear. Um, and the speed correlated down here. You know, he, he looked fast down here as well. Uh, fluid athlete. I think the biggest question for Christian was going to be how natural and dependable are his hands. That would be a question off North Dakota State tape. I mean, I certainly had that question, um, but he caught it pretty well down here. You know, I, and I think I think catching the football is a skill that can be improved. Um, I've seen it time and time again at the next level. Um, guys that can, you know, just jugs it over and over and over. I think those guys develop it. 
So, uh, yeah, I saw Christian's guy that helped himself just catching the football down here, you know, and, and competing. Um, Valus Jones was another guy from Tennessee. I think Valus helped himself. I think a lot of people saw Valus as a, a starting return guy next year for whoever drafts him. And then down here, just getting open all week and catching the football. Um, really explosive, fast off the line. Speed was apparent. Um, I think he really helped himself. You know, so there was – there was a there was a number of guys um, at that receiver position that I'm looking at the board right now, but it it was uh, you know there weren't a lot of huge names, um, but I think they all had solid weeks. The guy that I was really disappointed that got hurt, that uh, if I was a fan, I keep an eye on the rest of the process is Danny Gray from SMU. Okay. Uh, he was a guy I thought would make a huge jump during our week. Danny got hurt the first day of practice. It wasn't anything major. It was a heel injury that that just kept him out for us, but. He should be back up and ready to go at, at, at minimum at his pro day. I just think in terms of explosive upside at wide receiver um, and where he could be two or three years from now as a playmaker uh, with the ball in his hands and being explosive, it's uh, Danny Gray's a really interesting guy. Jim, this is fantastic information and insight, and I really, really appreciate your time as always because I love talking to you because I learned something, and I like when I learn something from people. So thank you very much. Yeah, John, thanks for having me on. I love doing it, man, and uh, love to come back after the draft and talk to talk about all those guys that uh, the, the commanders pick up. Absolutely. Would love that. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. You got it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jim for joining me. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Jim Nagy underscore SB. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back on Monday with a look at the Combine with the Washington Post's Nikki Javala. Talk to you next time.